Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. I think one of the most important things you can do is find that part of you and differentiate from it to have an immediate relationship with the part of you that doesn't want to have to change anymore. It's okay to hate change. It's uncomfortable. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. What do overwhelm and opiates have in common? I bet you nobody's ever asked that question before. (laughs) I love that. What do overwhelm and opiates have in common? They're both addictions that are far too common in our society today. Now, one may seem significantly worse than the other on the surface, but the deceptive nature of our addiction to overwhelm is truly insidious. It may just not seem that way because overwhelm is so normal. But as the great Krishnamurti said, it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a sick society. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, people can solve their problems. Most people spend their entire lives chipping away at problems, trying to make them less bad instead of actually envisioning a near future where they're gone. And I see that that's possible if you just look at it the right way. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If it's helping you, I hope you'll do me the uh, courtesy and gesture of giving me feedback. I'd love to hear from you via email. And you can email me through the website at clearandopen.com. But if you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you got to do is open the podcast app and view the full description of this episode and then click to leave a rating and review for the show that helps other people like you find it. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. They've had an insight that I think is significant yesterday. It's like, this is very much cutting edge uh, what's coming through Joseph at the moment. So I think it's important and um, I'm going to be a little slow in talking about it because it's still sort of formulating. But I was talking to some uh, people yesterday who are addicted to overwhelm. And there was some, it just came to me in a way that it never had before, where I saw like, you know, resistance to change is so much part of our conversation. Catherine was just talking about it. That we, you know, fear of the unknown, resistance to change, that's generally how it's framed. But what hit me when I saw this addiction to overwhelm was the, the inverse of the fear of change, resistance to change. It's an addiction to the sameness. It's addiction to sameness. That's the inverse. So I think it actually makes a little bit more sense to look at a situation from the perspective of addiction to sameness rather than fear of change. Because I think it's a little bit further upstream. And because what it challenges, and you maybe have been in this situation, you may be in this situation right now, 
or you may know someone in this, have you ever had the experience where someone is saying how much they really want to change and yet their actions don't reflect it at all? Right? This happens all the time. So what explains that? They say they want to change. There's chaos happening around them, but they're not taking some of the most basic actions. And then even sometimes forget the action. Sometimes they say things that actually reveal that they're not even thinking about it straight. It's almost like you're talking to two different people, whereas like one part of them wants to change and another part really doesn't. So this is an addict. And the, the problem with the concept that we're conditioned to have about addiction, so when we think about addiction, we think about substance addiction. That's usually where our minds go to. And for sure, that's real and difficult and problematic and all of that. But that's the grossest form of addiction we have. And I mean by gross in German, gross means big, <laughs> not disgusting. Doesn't mean that in German, right? Michael's in Germany, right? Can it mean disgusting also? No, it just means big. So it's the, the, the nice thing about substance uh, addiction, you won't hear that phrase very often. The nice thing about substance abuse is that it's gross. It's big. It's easy to see. It's here's the behavior. It's sticking a needle in the arm and then this happens. And then eight hours later, they need to do it again. Addiction to overwhelm is far more subtle and rewarded because, you know, as said so many times, well, people wear busyness and overwhelm like a badge of honor. Look how productive I am. I'm overwhelmed. Look how much I got going on. Look how great I am. Great I am. Heroin addicts don't do that as far as I know. Hey, I'm addicted to heroin. I'm using it three times a day. Check me out. Right? They don't do that. People be like, uh, I don't think that's a good thing. But in, in content, overwhelm and heroin are two different things. In context, I'm asserting they're the same. They're the same when there's an addiction. And when I say overwhelm, I'm talking about chronic overwhelm that is not getting dealt with and being indulged in. Insert all of Clear Workspace Open Mind course here. So when I created Clear Workspace Open Mind, the, honestly, the motive I had to create it was largely I didn't want to talk about it anymore. Because after one meeting where I was talking, helping someone get organized, I, I hung up the phone and I was like, I feel like I've said that a thousand times. And then I did a little bit of math and I had talked about it a thousand times. Guys, <laughs> I've, I've been doing this 18 years now. Do you know how many conversations I've had again and again and again? It starts to make one a little crazy. So I was like, that's it. I got to make a course for this. So I don't have to talk about it more, I, anymore. I could just put people to the course and they can do it on their own and maybe it'll scale. Who knows? What I did not expect was that this innocent course about getting out of overwhelm and getting organized would scare up the addict. I thought, well, of course, it's step-by-step -step process for getting out of overwhelm. You know, because people say they don't want to be overwhelmed. They say they want a better work-life balance. And then I gave it to them. Here it is. Really simple. Hell, you can just do module three alone. It would probably transform your life. But what I found was people wouldn't do it. And then I thought, well, it's an online course. Okay. Maybe they need some support, some nudging. So I gave them that. And that helped a certain amount of people. Okay. And they got out of overwhelm. But then that last sort of remaining, I don't know, I mean, I don't have enough data to give an accurate percentage, 10 to 30 
maybe even more percent than that, would make excuses about what they uh, weren't doing from that course and would grip them like it was their very life. And that was when I started to see, oh, overwhelm is an addiction. And not like your addiction to the latest cool iPhone game. I mean like heroin level addiction. And I started to learn that people have been overwhelmed like their entire adult lives in some cases. And people would say things like, I actually don't know who I am if I'm not this busy. Which is something that people only say when the addiction has become part of their identity. And that's deep. So I had no idea I was going to end up in that situation. And so now I'm starting to see all change from this perspective of like, oh, the greatest barrier to change is an addiction to sameness, which is really about control. Because if you really drill down with people, whatever the step it is that they need to take, you know, uh, saying something they've always needed to say to a spouse but never have, or losing, uh, firing an employee who's been a poison in the business for 10 years, and all these kinds of things. When you really drill down and go, what really is it about? It always ends up in the same place. And that is, but I don't know what's going to happen. It always ends up there. And of course, the only thing you can say is, no, you don't. And unfortunately, you don't get to know. And so that's often cast as the fear of the unknown. But again, the inverse of that, it's an addiction to sameness. And this is why in so many cases that for so many people, real change only happens when things get really bad. It's happening in our country right now. The election this November is it going to be a referendum on how bad things have to get? That's really what it's going to tell us. How bad things, how bad do things have to get for people to start waking up to reality? That's what it's going to tell us. Many other things as well. So let's talk about the addict. So I was talking about substance abuse, and that's the most obvious addict we have. But I'd like to assert as a premise that we all, myself included, have an addict. We all have that. And the addict's basic modus operandi is keep things the same slash control things as much as possible. Can anybody make a leap of a few steps and connect the dots for how the pursuit of happiness is actually one of the MOs of the addict. How is the pursuit of happiness actually the expression of an addiction? Well, it's the pursuit of a consistent state of feeling good. Bingo. That's most basic. That's control. So the idea is, what we're sold is, you can be happy pretty much all the time. I.e., you can control your state all of the time. Has anybody pulled that off? Anybody in this room? I haven't met anyone. I mean, like, if you had, I'd be open to hearing about it. We want to know your methodology, right? But that's what we're sold. Everybody wants to feel good all the time, and nobody wants to feel bad. 
And there's this sort of a priori implicit assumption like, well, of course, life should cooperate with that. I want to be able to fly like a bird. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to grow BLTs on trees. Right? Wouldn't that be cool? Eat them in, 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 in the noonday sun would be the best time to pick them because they'd be warm. Even warmer than there, they'd be hot. The bacon would be hot. I want that. But that's not, the, that's not reality. So the addict in us has ideas about reality that are not true. And they're willfully asserting that. And the basic assumption is, I can control this. That's the basic assumption and the basic kind of contraction. It's a contraction from life because life is chaos. Whatever control you think you have, you don't. I mean, we've all had days, months like that, where it's just like suddenly something happens and you had this beautiful to-do list you were totally excited about getting through. And how often does that actually happen the way you think? If it happens 20% of the time, it's pretty damn good, right? Something always changes. So yet we still have this idea that we either have control or there's some like control holy grail that we can one day get to. If we just focus enough, if we just are intentional enough, if we can just train hard enough. You know, uh, I saw an interview of one of the um, Navy SEALs who did the bin Laden raid talking about how they trained for like two weeks, you know, 10 hours a day in preparation for that. And the captain of the team said, yeah, you know, how we do this is we train, we create a plan and then we train and we imagine every possible thing that could go wrong. And we train for that. And then we imagine some more things that could go wrong. And we think of everything that could possibly go wrong. And then we do the operation and almost inevitably something new goes wrong that we didn't think of. And that's what happened on that operation. It was a helicopter that crashed. They hadn't planned for that, I don't think. I think he said so. But the idea, so it's very easy to see or to imagine, well, the point of planning is to make it go how you plan. That seems reasonable. You imagine how it's going to go, and then you do the thing, and it goes that way. Well, if you're baking a cake, you might be able to pull that off. But if the thing you're doing lasts more than you know an hour or involves those chaotic, unpredictable things we call people, then it's probably not going to go the way you plan. So what's the point of planning? It's preparation, not for you, you, your ability to impose your will and control reality. It's so that you're prepared for whatever chaos you're going to end up in. That's what it's for. But we don't think of it, about it that way. And that's why most people don't plan. Because eventually, the, the ego in them is just like, boy, I created lots of plans and none of it work, worked out the way I thought. What's the use of planning? And that's a mistake. So the addict in us is all about control. And it is the author of, I'll take the devil I know over the devil I don't. That's what it does. And I think one of the most important things you can do is find that part of you and differentiate from it to have a, an immediate relationship with the part of you that doesn't want to have to change anymore. 
It's okay to hate change. It's uncomfortable. Just feel for a second how tomorrow is so unknown, the number of things that could happen. You've all worked hard to get a grip on this chaotic thing called life. And look at all the panic around the coronavirus, right? There's a really great example. That's what's happening right now. Why is there so much fear around this? Well, most of it is because we don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to wipe out a third of the population like the plague did in the 1300s? Doesn't appear so, but it could. We don't know yet. With a 2% mortality rate so far, it doesn't appear that it could, but there's just a panic. So much so that we're getting emails from companies that say things like, uh, I got one from Alaska Airlines yesterday and another one from an insurance company. It's like, update on the coronavirus from you know your friendly neighborhood airline like we're keeping a watchful eye on this situation and we just want you to know that like what are you talking about <laughs> thanks for you know like what are they trying to communicate they're just trying to give a sense of control and sanity and you can still spend money with us and by the way uh, flights to Hawaii are heavily discounted now so in case you wanted that vacation <laughs> there's no cases in Hawaii so I kind of thinking maybe I don't want anyone to come here anymore, but that's the one part of me. You know, I swim long distances in in the ocean, as a lot of you know, and a lot of people will ask, you know, and I swim where, of course, the more shark attacks happen than pretty much anywhere in the state, not just Maui, I think, but uh, where the nicest beaches are, the sharks seem to like it. I try to stay in as shallow water as I can, but sometimes if it's if the surface is wavy, then I'll go further out and I'll be in 15, 20 feet of water. And sharks are pretty regular, I don't know, regularly, you know, like 10, 15 times a year, sharks are seen there. And so when I tell people I swim there, they go, aren't you afraid of sharks? And my answer is like, well, if it's time for me to go, and that goes from a shark, like it's time for me to go. I mean, the odds of being eaten by a shark are far, far, far less than dying in like a drunk driving accident or any other kind of car accident. You know, the statistics are being, you're more likely to get struck by lightning than killed by a shark, you know? But so where does this fear contraction come from? And then, you know, then there's a shark sighting and they put up a sign and close the beach, like as if that beach has like walls around the water. (laughs) You know, the sharks can like swim wherever they want, (laughs) No, no, here's a sign, shark sighted at this beach. Like the shark chose to go to that beach for the week, parking, parking myself right here. Like they paid a resort fee. Yeah, I'm at Keavikapu, can't go to any other beach today, this week. It's absurd, right? All of this is the addict. It's this sense of, it's similar to the reduction, reductionism. Reduction, there's nothing wrong inherently with reductionism, like I said, but the addict grips reductionism as a means of control because it gets excited, like scientists who are looking for God in smaller and smaller particles, right? Well, if we, can, if we can just see what an atom is made of, then we'll see what everything is made of, and then they see it. All right, well, let's look closer. We got to build a better microscope. Let's, let's see even closer. Then we'll see what everything is made of. And then, and then they see that, and they're like, uh all right, well, we can't even see where anything is now. There's sort of like probabilities of where things are. Let's study that some more. 
And then they find, well, everything's just like mostly made of space. Yeah, that's God. I haven't figured that out yet. Because you can't understand that. You can only experience it. That's it. That everything is made of space. That's what that space is. That's it. That's what everything is made of. But I can tell you that doesn't make a difference. You actually have to experience that. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.